You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. The NBA playoffs are almost here. Don't miss the big storylines and team previews you can find every day on the Locked On NBA podcast. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. And that is the story. The NBA playoffs and the Miami Heat are in them as the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. And they'll be taking on the Milwaukee Bucks at some point this weekend, either Saturday or Sunday. That time has yet to be determined at this point. And of course, once we find out, well... Well, everybody will find out probably at the same time, but we'll address it more throughout the week as we'll be previewing the series with Locked On Bucks host Kane Pittman and others from the Milwaukee area. And we'll, of course, be talking about Chris Bosh, his election to the Hall of Fame. I'll address it later on in this episode, but he'll get a full episode as well when I talk to Locked On Raptors host Sean Woodley. But the playoffs, you know, this is, it's been a hell of a season. Like, you cannot... I feel very strange about the whole timeline of the season. I've been covering the league for a while now. Maybe not as long as others, obviously. There are some lifers out there that have been doing this for decades. I'm not lucky enough to have been there. And yet, when you take into consideration everything that happened last season, not just the external factors, the exhausting nature of the world around us, but the NBA with a five-month break in between a long off-season, I'm sorry, a long hiatus, and then, you know, the the bubble run from Miami, which was as magical as any you'll ever get, and then the short off-season, the challenges of this regular season, the slow start, the COVID health and safety protocols, the impacts, the injuries, Jimmy Butler, Bam Bio, trade season, on and on and on. I I look at this Heat team, and obviously I'd like to say that I know this team as well as anybody does, and I've seen them up close, and I know what they're capable of, and I can't figure out anything from what they were able to accomplish in the regular season. And you can look to last year's template as an example of that. Whatever they were able to do in the regular season last year, wipe it all away. It didn't matter. Once they entered the Orlando bubble, they scratched that starting lineup. They took Myers Leonard out. They put Jay Crowder in. They completely changed their style of play, and they run rush shot at everybody else until they got to the Lakers and lost two of their starters. Let's not forget that. That was a pretty damn good team. I think this year's team is pretty good, too. The loss of Victor Oladipo is certainly an issue because, well, he provides so much defensively. But I think Miami's banking on the improved defense of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, at least that tandem in particular, that Trevor Ariza can provide at least a reasonable facsimile of what Crowder was able to do. And that at least offensively, they get as much from Kendrick Nunn as they ever would have gotten from Victor Oladipo. Miami's offense has been great. Their defense, not so much over the last few weeks when they've been winning a lot of games. Now it's up to them to kind of flip the script a little bit because they'll be taking on one of the most potent offensive teams in the NBA and I don't think they care. Like, I, I haven't recorded a recap over the last few games because what's the takeaway? You face a, a 76ers team that's got Joel Embiid at less than 100%. They've got some injury issues, and Miami just beats them up. And, well, he does has them, continues to be a badass, well-deserving of any kind of recognition for his badassery. And he'll get a full episode at some point later on this week because he deserves it, because he's the OG. And without a doubt, he should get that kind of attention. 
On Saturday, they lost the Bucks without Jimmy Butler. I think he was able to play, and he probably just set it up because it doesn't really matter. The standings didn't really matter to this team. I think that's the overall take I get from the last few weeks of play is that they were able to avoid a play-in tournament and kind of just took their foot off the gas. They didn't have to go through the same hoops that the Boston Celtics did, that the Lakers, that the uh, Portland Trailblazers, that the Golden State Warriors did. They weren't fighting to get into the play-in. They weren't trying to, to the last game of the season, avoid the play-in. They accomplished that last weekend when they beat the crap out of the Boston Celtics two games in a row. And from that point forward, they said, okay, we've got this. We know we can do this. And I really feel like this team has that switch, not in the same way that the big three era did, but they feel they can turn it on. I'm not sure if it's just an incredible confidence, if it's the sheer willpower of a Jimmy Butler but they're not scared of anybody, and I really do think that they're willing and able to take on any challengers. The more talented Nets team with three superstars, a Sixers team with two all-stars and all-NBA-level defenders and things of that sort, and of course the Milwaukee Bucks with a great all-around improved roster. And I don't see that Miami is concerned about that. We'll be previewing it throughout the week, no doubt. There's more minutiae to get into the impact of Drew Holiday, what his role is, you know, what's going on with the bench. Obviously, Milwaukee's depth has improved to some degree. How has Budenholzer adapted? Will he adapt in the playoffs? That's always the challenge with them. And I have no exact idea of how Miami will adapt in the playoffs. They're going to need to make some changes. And yet, as from a macro view, when you look at this team and what they were able to accomplish last year and what their mindset is approaching the playoffs, they're not scared. They really are not concerned about their matchup. They know it's going to be challenged. You're not taking it lightly. Like There's a fine line, perhaps, in my words and the way I'm describing it. To say that they don't care isn't to say that they're taking it lightly. They're not just dismissing anybody. I think they would look at any opponent as a sufficient challenge. They, 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 were, they were looking at, at the Indiana Pacers as a tough challenge, and they wound up sweeping them. Sure, yeah, injuries took a lot of what they were able to accomplish. Um, you know, it diminished a lot of what the Pacers were able to, to present as far as a challenge is concerned, but they were not taking them lightly. They looked at the Bucks as a severe challenge, and they were able to handle that pretty easily too. Ditto for the Boston Celtics. The only reason they lost the finals was because they lost two starters. When they look at... Milwaukee, I I know that they respect a great deal of what Mike Budenholzer can do as a coach. I don't think they care about the the same things that media members or Heat fans or even Bucks fans in particular really care about when it comes to Budenholzer and the lack of minutes and things of that sort. Uh, Everything Eric Spolstra has said about Budenholzer indicates a great deal of respect as a coaching mind, a person who has a good pulse on the team, who can get the most of their group, etc., that maybe he didn't make the kind of in-game adjustments a lot of Bucks fans would have preferred. Yeah, you can quibble about that. I, I don't. That's none of my concern. That's for Bucks fans to debate whether or not he should have been retained or whatever. You know, they, the Bucks front office decided to keep Budenholzer. He had a pretty good regular season. This obviously is a big test for him and his status with the Bucks. I I can't if they lose when. They lose to the Heat. I think, obviously, he'll be replaced. I'm not sure who is a good replacement for a coach like Budenholzer, but again, that's none of my concern. We'll, we'll address that in a couple of weeks on Locked on NBA. Make sure you follow that show, as I said before. As far as the Heat, 
what an interesting challenge for them, you know. I, I really looked at this series as when I had talked about this recently in the top three contenders in the Eastern Conference, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. Milwaukee seemed the one that was the most difficult for Miami because of the improved roster, because of the depth on that team, because of Budenholzer's coaching acumen. I think Budenholzer may, may be in some ways a better coach than even Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers is a very good coaching personality. I think he meshes well with his players. I think he understands players a lot, but there are still some head-scratching decisions or lack of decision-making from him that a lot of Sixers fans and prior to that Clippers fans would agree are a, a, a huge slight to Doc and his abilities. Obviously, we don't know what to expect from Steve Nash, which is a big plus for them, which is another reason why Milwaukee's a little bit more dangerous than either Philadelphia or Brooklyn, was that we don't know what Steve Nash is capable of in the playoffs. We don't know what that roster is capable of. They could crumble due to injury at any moment in time. Milwaukee, another year together, a retooled roster with some great talent and depth and the revenge factor. That's the problem, right? And and I asked Bucks people whether or not they wanted to match up well with the Heat, whether or not they wanted to face Miami over the last few games of the season as the standings were still shaking out. And they weren't too happy about the matchup. They didn't really want to face Miami again. I won't go so far as to say they're scared or terrified of the Heat or anything like that, but they wouldn't they didn't exactly prefer facing Miami again. And for good reason. It's it's gonna be an interesting balance here because on one side You've got Miami with so much to prove, to to finally prove the doubters, the fluke sayers, everybody else that has discounted what Miami can do this year. They have a chance to disprove all that and show, again, that they are worthy of the accomplishments and the accolades they received last season. On the flip side of that, for Milwaukee, it's a good chance to excise a number of internal demons. And... I feel like they have more to prove, right? But given that, there's also more pressure on them. From Miami's side of things, they couldn't care less. Like, we got to go and prove it. If they lose, well, so what? So everybody dismisses them and counts them out, and then they come back next year stronger than ever. Which is why I think they'll continue to win. Because they have less to prove. Because they, listen, externally anyway. Internally, they're a self-driven, self-motivated machine. Eric Spolster will have them firing in all cylinders. They'll be pissed off. They'll come out there looking to prove something. Milwaukee, conversely, will have a much more emotional approach to the series. Because for Giannis, his legacy depends on this. He could be Charles Barkley. Oh, you don't have a ring. You couldn't quite get it done. You couldn't get your team to where they needed to go. You need to force a trade. You need to go somewhere else in order to finally reach the upper echelon of NBA-level players. You've got the individual hardware, but where's the team success? That's a hell of a lot of pressure. Even this early in his career, I mean, obviously he's accomplished a lot as an individual player, but that's a lot of pressure for him. You know, for guys like Drew Holiday, and we forget this, Drew Holiday has very, very little playoff experience. With the Pelicans, they weren't really able to accomplish much there. One playoff run, I want to say, in Drew's tenure, and then as a rookie with the Philadelphia 76ers when Andre Iguodala was leading that team. So that's that's a, <laughs> that's a long time ago, let's say. I think they lost to the – I want to say they lost to the Heat that series too when the, during the Heatles era. But 
so much pressure there. And I, I just, it's going to be a hell of a series that we'll, of course, continue to talk about in many different ways over the next few days. But before that, I wanted to mention a little bit about pressure and what you could do to relieve it. And a big part of that is if you're looking to hire somebody for your firm or your company, and you're the hiring expert for that company, then what you really do to help make your life easier is get Indeed.com. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. You post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes match exactly the job description that you post. You only pay for the candidates that meet those must-have qualifications. And then you can just schedule and complete video interviews in a snap on Indeed's dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. You know, you can choose from more than 130 skills tests so you can determine, you can weed out even those great candidates that you've been able to line up and you can weed them out even further with the kind of skills test that you need to prove that they are the kind of person you want in your company. It's so hard to find the right talent. You know, you're trying to add somebody to your firm. I've been there trying to hire somebody before. And believe me, I was not too happy with the prospect until I used Indeed. And it made everything so easy. I had a number of candidates lined up right away. I fit the bill and almost immediately set up interviews. This was an eternity ago, so we didn't have to do everything online. We actually scheduled interviews at that point in time. But now it's so much easier. You can just do an online interview. I mean, come on. You can solve your problems, your hiring needs almost instantly if you use Indeed. And right now, if you get started with Indeed, you get a free $75 sponsored job credit to update your job post at Indeed.com. If you use Indeed.com slash locked, get $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Remember, that offer is valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions do apply. Talk a little bit about Chris Bosch, now a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Well-deserving one, of course. He'll have an episode devoted later on this week when I talk to Sean Woodley, the host of Lockdown Raptors. We'll be doing a crossover looking at Chris's amazing career, not just his tenure in Miami, but of course his time in Toronto. Interestingly, I think he's viewed mostly as a Heat player because of his success with Miami. That's something we'll debate during that episode and how he's viewed, oh, by and large, I think, outside of Miami Heat fandom. But right now, I think, as much as I want to talk about Udonis Haslam and Chris Bosh and all the things happening around the league, by the way, LeBron James continuing to whine about Heat legend Solomon Hill, I cannot get past that. I, I, look, first of all, we had Solomon Hill on this team. That guy was gritty. I don't think there was a part of him at all that was ever dirty. And if you look at that play, Heat – Sorry, Lakers fans have become experts at getting just the right kind of video angle that shows Solomon Hill diving for the ball and falling on LeBron's ankles, but they don't show the actual game speed or anything like that. It's slowed down to like 1-100th of its actual speed, so it shows Solomon Hill rolling almost intentionally on his ankle. I don't think there was any intention there. Like, he's been honest about it. Look, first of all, he doesn't have to say a damn thing. Like, Patrick Beverly has never, you know, apologized to Russell Westbrook for diving from across the court at Russell Westbrook's knees and not necessarily at the ball. I don't think that was this situation at all. But for LeBron to say, I think the latest quote is, I had a grown man dive for a ball and take me out or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing there. 
but he's just unbelievably whiny at this point in his career. It, it feels like in sharp contrast, and I'll tie it back to what Miami is doing right now, because it feels like he is putting out there a number of excuses right away. Like he's just saying, oh, you know what? If I'm not at 100%, it doesn't matter how far. It doesn't matter if we're in the play-in tournament. It doesn't matter for the sixth seed. This team only goes as far as it does if I'm healthy. And I can't say I'm 100% right now. I don't know if I'll ever be 100% throughout at any point in my career again. Like, for him to say this, like, maybe it's true. But for crying out loud, you shut the hell up about it. You keep that stuff to yourself. You don't need to put that out there unless you're doing it purposely with the intention of creating a narrative about you, a, a, an excuse, a pre-built excuse for your eventual loss in the play-in tournament, in the playoffs, wherever Lakers eventually falter, and they will. They're not repeating as champions. I'm not sure who will, but I don't see the Lakers duplicating their success. I was much more sure of that after the offseason that they had tweaking the roster the way they did, but everything working out the way it has, it feels like the offseason, the short offseason has impacted Los Angeles to a greater degree than their opponent in the NBA Finals, the Miami Heat. And I think part of that is because Miami does not use any kind of built-in excuse whatsoever. They don't use any excuse at all. It doesn't matter. That next man up mantra, can you imagine LeBron saying that? I mean, when Anthony Davis falls, and look, I understand we're not talking about Anthony Davis getting hurt on, on anybody at that level in Miami's roster. Basically, you're replacing Victor Oladipo with Kendrick Nunn. It's not a significant drop-off. I get it, but you, you, this team... And the way they're approaching the playoff series against Milwaukee, that's why, to me, they just didn't care about their opponent. I don't know if they were effectively tanking the last couple of games or not. I don't think that really mattered to them. Then they wound up winning against the Detroit Pistons on Sunday. But did that game really prove anything? Did it show anything about the Miami Heat and their offensive capabilities when you know, almost all their stars were out? No, obviously not. Is this the right approach for Miami to take? I don't think that they care enough about their opponent. Again, make that, and I have to use better, I have to find a way of phrasing this better. It's not that they don't necessarily, that they're indifferent about it, but that they're just, they're approaching this about their success, about what they can do. The mantra of controlling what you can control and not worrying about the external factors. Sure, you have to play to your opponent. But for better or for worse, it's bitten Miami in the ass when they play down to their opponent, right? And we know that they've lost to the Magic, this bad Pistons team. And it's on and on and on. They've lost to bad teams throughout the course of the year. Bad losses, a number of them. Why? Because it's not about who's there on the other end of, uh, in a different jersey. It's about their own sense of worth, what they want to accomplish, what they're trying to put on the line, which is, I think, the best approach here. You can go into a series against Milwaukee and be terrified of the matchup and say, oh, man, they do have a retooled roster. Oh, they've got Giannis. He's such a powerful figure to deal with, you know, such an incredible individual impact in the game. And make no mistake, Milwaukee is a very fine team. No doubt about it. Certainly built for the regular season and just has not been able to accomplish a lot in the postseason. That's not a knock on that group whatsoever. Milwaukee fans might feel otherwise, but from my perspective – they're a good team, well-coached, with a lot of talent. But when you look at what Miami and their approach to the game is, there are no excuses, there's no reasons, no nothing. It's just about the work, getting it done, and figuring it out. <laughs> and I have to like the way Jimmy Butler can carry this team. Like, everybody's going to follow that lead. That's a huge 
huge benefit for the Heat that I don't think Milwaukee has. Giannis might be a fantastic individual player. I don't think he's capable of carrying the team on an emotional level or inspiring them to great heights the way Jimmy does his Heat teammates. Not to mention the fact that I, I think, given their individual level of play, I think Jimmy can be more impactful on a game-to-game basis. Over the course of a whole season, Giannis will absolutely put up bigger numbers, will have great impact, will win MVP levels. But on a one night out of four impact, I think Jimmy's is greater. I think as a result, he inspires your Duncan Robinson, your Tyler Hero, your Goran Dragic to step up and have big moments there. I think he empowers everybody on this roster to be their best versions of themselves. And it's proven so successful that whether or not they care about their opponent matters very little to me because I think that's the right mindset. They've proven that they can be successful regardless of who their opponent is, whether they're more talented, whether they're better, whether... I mean, I remember looking at the Eastern Conference Finals last year and the much more talented Boston Celtics. Now, sure, everybody was talking about Gordon Hayward's injury, his concerns about his wife, a lot of different factors there. But they still had, what, two top three players as far as where they were selected in the draft. You had Marcus Smart, another lottery pick. You had so on and so forth, Kemba Walker. I mean, oh, I mean, so many different players, right? Lottery picks, great players, talented players, whatever that means. And Miami just said, oh, we really don't care. <laughs> we, we don't care. We don't care about your talent. We don't care about your draft pick. You, you don't win games based on your, your lottery selection. It feels dismissive of guys like Bam and Tyler Hero who were lottery selections. Maybe late lottery, but it doesn't. I think that matters less and less. Guys drafted number one through five aren't necessarily going to be more impactful as guys five through ten in the future. That's my feeling. I feel the lottery is going to be so watered down because of – you know, one year in college because of so much lack of experience there. It's just going to be a, a very different process than what it once was. I mean, you even look at this year, you can argue LaMelo Ball has arguably been much better than either James Wiseman or Anthony Edwards. Look, I'll save my predictions for later on this week. But at the same time, I, I just say when it comes to the excuse making on the Lakers side of things, when it comes to the emotional approach, when it comes to the pressure on this series and everything else, if Miami somehow falters, and I don't think they will, they won't offer any kind of excuse whatsoever. They did it in the finals. They made no bones about the loss of Goran Dragic or Bam Adebayo. They didn't say anything about it. They had enough on that roster. They thought they could still wind up beating the Lakers in the finals, even without two starters. And if they lose somehow to the Milwaukee Bucks, they'll offer no excuses. They'll get back to work. They'll take their summer. They'll find a way to retool, and they'll get back into it. That's the right approach to me. It's what has made this team stand out and achieve the kind of success they have over the last 26 seasons of Pat Riley's tenure in Miami. And one of the greatest beneficiaries of that tenure, now recognized as a member of the James Naismith Hall of Fame, Mr. Chris Bosch. We'll step away for the playoffs and talk a little bit about Chris's amazing career and his absolutely well-deserved selection to the Hall of Fame. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can also bet on the Florida Panthers and always make sure to listen to Locked On Panthers because they do a great job 
of covering the team. It's absolutely worthwhile. And look, so much going on around the sports world. You know, the new NBA, WNBA season, excuse me. Of course, the NBA playoffs, NHL action, and much more. So head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great news, bonuses, contest information, everything they've got on their site. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. As teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, or if they're already starting the playoffs, head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, they're your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. And when you save a little money or make a little money and bet online, you can save even more and treat yourself with a Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Nine delicious flavors, occasional seasonal flavors that they bring out every once in a while, or limited time flavors. So many great ones to choose from. And best of all, you can build your own box. So you'll find a flavor that you like, but you want to give a couple bars to friends or family members, and you know that they might like a different flavor. You can get a couple in your box as well. It's such a great benefit for the best tasting protein bar that you don't even know is a protein bar. It's more like an indulgent treat because they're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And so many great nutrients, everything you might be looking for in a protein bar which is perfect because it kind of feels like a decadent treat that's good for you too. So if you order today, you can get, again, that built a, build a box with all their delicious flavors. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your first order. What a great treat that is. Not only do you get a treat in the Built Bars themselves, but you get a discounted rate. 15% off if you use the promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. All the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with a Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. The news came in Sunday morning. The James Naismith Hall of Fame recognizing a number of players, coaches, people associated with the NBA or the world of basketball at some point. But Chris Bosh after one year of not making it to the Hall of Fame, elected as a member of the class of 2021. Now, the 2021, I'm sorry, the 2020 class was just enshrined. Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, others. Of course, uh, unfortunately, because of COVID-19, their enshrinement was delayed. So they're trying to get two classes in this year. It's going to be a hell of an experience there. But Chris, what... What a great career. And again, I'll talk to Sean over at Lockdown Raptors to get a better retrospective on his whole career and everything else. But just a process of him getting into the Hall of Fame. And I've mentioned this on Twitter, but I recorded a show last month uh, called Pot of Fame. Great host. Goes down the same path with everybody where you, know, you look at a potential Hall of Famer in many sports. Baseball, hockey, basketball, of course. Chris Bosch was the subject of one episode, and we talked about Chris's career, his overall impact, what he's remembered for, the case for and against him. I was always of the mindset that he deserves to be there. But it's not an easy approach when you look at what Chris was able to accomplish in Toronto and what he was able to accomplish in Miami. Like, you can tell his incredible impact. Like, if you watch the Heat during the Big Three era and even a couple of years afterwards when, unfortunately, his seasons were cut short because of a life-threatening illness, he was a phenomenal player with a huge impact. 
Like, there's just no denying that there was Hall of Fame level skill there. But the criteria seems to change so much as far as what people want, you know, in a Hall of Fame player. Is it about team success? Is it about individual success? You look at the fact that part of this class is also going to include Ben Wallace, who had some pretty good seasons in Detroit. But I I can't say that he was ever a great player. Like, I, I would not make that argument. I maybe was my allegiance at the time to the Miami Heat, but I didn't see the, those Pistons teams as being overwhelmingly talented. I didn't see Wallace as being overwhelmingly impactful. I never had that same mindset about Chris Bosh, even before he joined the Heat. You know, that was a guy who could do things out on the floor. He was a scorer. He was a defender. He was a passer. Wallace was a guy who defended, you know, extremely well. But I just never really saw the same kind of in-game impact from Wallace as you saw from Chris Bosh. Like the occasional big play, able to hold his own perhaps against Shaquille O'Neal, but not really. I don't know. It's just the criteria seems to change all the time when you look at what a player should be. like. And I also have the mindset that the more players, the better. Like, the context for each player, and, and, I mean, look at Mitch Richmond's career. You know, a lot of people say he's not deserving because he only won the one title when he wasn't even a factor for the Los Angeles Lakers during their, their three-peat. But you ignore the, the great scoring seasons he have. And maybe scoring seems to trump defense as far as individual greatness, right? Is it better to have a 25-point-per-game scorer or an all-NBA defender as a Hall of Fame candidate? You look at Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, guys like that. Their kind of their impact is hard to kind of put into any kind of criteria, right? You, uh, contextualize when you look at what they were able to accomplish as individuals. And so, sometimes you have to be in the moment. You have to be fans of 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 that era of basketball to understand their incredible impact. Which is why a guy like Tim Hardaway hasn't been elected. You know, I don't know if his impact, if his numbers are great enough. To look at his impact. There's no title there. You know, Ben Wallace won a ring to help inflate some of his lack of gaudy production. You could also say, well, he was part of a, a team that made a lot of deep playoff runs. So did Timmy. But Timmy didn't come he didn't come away with a ring. Their best chance, unfortunately, in two thousand. Uh yeah. Or maybe ninety nine, I guess. That was probably their best ch- title chance when they were knocked off by the New York Knicks. Ugh, I don't even like talking about those eras. On another thing, sorry. Who cares about the damn New York Knicks? I know I'm kind of sandwiching and wedging this in between a segment about Chris Bosh, but I'm kind of just off the cuff here. I am so sick of New York Knicks talk, and they're just barely in the playoffs now. They're a fine team. Yes, they've got the fourth seed or whoever gives a damn. Like, I don't care if they're the fourth seed or the fifth seed or anything. Like, the league isn't better because New York is any better. I don't understand that mentality at all. I feel like that's just something we say because we've heard other people say it. When we've heard David Stern say, why? Because he used to sneak into the Madison Square Garden, right? And another thing, too, thank goodness Marv Albert is retiring. Look, I watched a lot of basketball when I was younger with Marv Albert calling games. Even after he was in a not-so-great you know, public scandal that he probably should have been fired for at that point. And we still listen to and watch a lot of NBA games with Marv calling them. But I'm glad he's retiring because he's at a point now where he can't recognize players. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. I don't think he even understands remotely 
what the three-point shot is capable of or how the impact of analytics has changed the game or anything like that. He just – he doesn't – I don't get – I don't think he gets anything. Like watching him or listening to him calling a game is – well, it's not pleasant. TNT making some changes. They also let go of Chris Webber, who was also unfortunately not a great commentator, but also a member of the Hall of Fame class of 2021. So tying it all together there. But as far as the Knicks and everybody talking about, you know, oh, it's so great for the league. The league's more interesting. Why? Why is the league more interesting? Like, I love Julius Randle, but aside from that, I don't know anybody on that team that's deserving of any kind of praise. Alfred, Mr. Triple-Double on a team 20 games under 500 in March, Peyton. Sorry. Like, congratulations for making the playoffs for the first time in your career. Reggie Bullock? R.J. Barrett? I mean, fine, I guess. Taj Gibson? Solid. They're a fine team, but no one's looking at this Knicks team and going, woof, that's a challenge right there. Their offense is bad. Miami, I think, would have preferred a matchup against the Knicks rather than the Hawks if it had gone to the 4-5 seed or anything like that. But didn't work out that way for the Heat because, again, I don't think they ultimately care. I don't know. I, this this whole Knicks talk is is beyond me. I don't get it whatsoever. Chris Bosch, though. Now, that I get. You can talk about Chris all day. Great player, great person, great career. Immortalized now in the Basketball Hall of Fame, and deservingly so. Again, we'll talk about that later on this week in a crossover episode with Locked on Raptors. Make sure you always get the latest episodes as we talk about the playoff race and everything else, and we'll be previewing it with media members from around the country. You can always reach me via email with questions about the playoffs, any individual matchups, X-Factors, whatever you want, over at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Haven't gotten a lot of emails from you over the last couple days, so keep those coming in because I can always get some questions there. I could always appreciate your questions about the series. And you can always send me a message on Twitter, too. Those DMs are always open. And make sure you follow the show if you haven't already. And please leave a review. I haven't, again, gotten a lot of feedback. I know iTunes hasn't been uh, working at 100% capacity over the last couple of weeks, but they're back up and running from everything I've heard. So please leave a review if you haven't already. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting the show. But best of all, are all of you an amazing audience that always listens and supports me. Thank you so much, as always. This is David Ramil signing off for now. 